You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello and welcome back to this week's Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and on the line with me today, we have our chairman, Mr. Eric Sprott. Good morning, Eric. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Jeff. I'm happy to be here. Another kind of boring week in the markets, but uh, we should talk about it. No, I agree. Pretty mundane, it seems, this week as far as how things have been moving. So firstly, let's take a look at U.S. Department of Labor said in a weekly report that initial jobless claims last week rose modestly by 3,000 to 265,000. And on the flip side, we have U.S. non-form payrolls rose less than expected last month, as they said. Data showing that non-form payrolls rose to a seasonally adjusted 223,000 from 85 thousand in the preceding month. What are your thoughts in terms of what's happening here, Eric, as far as these job numbers are concerned? Well, and of course, I've, I've always stated it, and I don't really, I'm not a great believer in the job numbers because we keep uh, losing good jobs and getting bad jobs. So, for example, we had, I think, uh, Challenger Gray came out with 61,000 job losses in April, which was just an astronomic number. And believe God, in the energy area, it's equivalent to five jobs in at, at a minimum wage. So you can see jobs numbers going up, but I suspect that the income's not going up. The income number for this month was an increase of 0.1% uh, for the hourly rate. Furthermore, there was a decrease in um, in the March numbers back, uh, declined by 41,000, taking it down to, I think it was 85,000. So we, we now have the moving average of jobs at about 200,000 a week, which is just about the break-even line. And again, I think those jobs are not uh, not great jobs. So we're seeing a continuing malaise, I would call it, in the uh, job market. I don't really think there's any progress being made whatsoever. And of course, always what's the most important thing is the income number. The income number is very weak. So I don't see it as a good jobs report. Of course, the stock market loves it when you get lousy job numbers, which is how the market's interpreting it. Futures were up small before the report. Now, as I'm looking at the tape there, uh, futures are up substantially on the basis that, <laughs> you know, weak numbers imply that the Fed will delay the rate increase and or come out with QE4. And I'm seeing a little bit of a rally in the, in the metals here this morning uh, on that same basis. Now, Eric, let's move over to Greece as we hear Prime Minister Alexis Tsipras talking about a happy ending to the Greece economic crisis which, again, I'm not sure if he's just hopelessly optimistic or if he's hopelessly delusional, but clearly we can see things are not going well for them. What are your thoughts in terms of what he sees as a happy ending to Greece's economic crisis? Well, I mean, I find it truly ironic that uh, on one side of the ECB mouth, they suggest that they're going to be firm on Greece, but then every week they hand the banks uh, more money under the emergency lending authority and i think this week they've already lent them two billion and i think the ecb loans to the to the greek banks are now approaching um, 80 billion dollars and this is the banking system is 135 billion of deposit so ecb with one hand says they're going to strike a hard deal and the second hand they keep bailing out the banking system and of course bailing out the banking system has really been the whole process we've gone through here since the financial crisis, whether it's uh, printing money, zero and negative interest rates, the ELA to the Greek banks, uh, and I don't know where it all ends in the sense that they may come to some theoretical conclusion, but I don't know how the ECB expects to get their money back at the, uh, at the Greek banking system. And uh, God forbid that it's another haircut Cypress style because there would be some serious losses by the remaining uh, depositors in Greece because there's really nothing to cover the uh, the uh, total ELA 
that's $80 billion because the assets in those banks obviously aren't worth $135 billion. So it's going to be interesting to see it play out. I mean, it's it's a bit of a carnival thing with uh, one hand we're giving them money, one hand we want to take it back, and God knows where it's going. But it, it's more of a statement about the messed up uh, financial system we've created ourselves and, and this continual um, theory of the central planners never to allow a liquidation because of a liquidation uh, starts the dominoes falling, which is what we saw in the Lehman situation, and they don't want that to happen. So somehow, probably the ECB is going to say we have some solution. Our money is safe in the ECB bank, and just try to let it play out somehow. We're all supposed to, you know, cover our eyes and say it's okay, but uh, any uh, smart thinking person knows it's far from okay. So speaking of things that are not okay, Eric, let's talk about the continual volatility within foreign currency markets. I know we've talked about this before, but it seems this week we can see some very clear signs of increased volatility within foreign currency. What are your thoughts on that, Eric? Well, it's stunning, and I, I, I always say lately that the most volatile sector of the financial markets is foreign currency, which is kind of bizarre, right? I mean, you'd think that bonds and stocks and so on would be more volatile than, uh, than currencies. And by the way, we have had some serious volatility in the bond market this week as those peripheral yields in Europe have shot up, and uh, the 10-year bond in the U.S. has gone up, the German funds uh, yield rose dramatically until I think the ECB came in to bail everybody out. Uh, but this, you know, to have the U.S. currency almost get to uh, the DXY get to 100, now it's down to 94. And so we had a huge rise of 20%, now we have a fall of 5. The euro probably went up 6 or 7% in about three weeks. It's just bizarre. Uh, the machinations that go on in the foreign currency markets. And it's interesting that there's derivatives on all these things. And these derivatives, I don't even know what they amount to, but if they were, let's say, $200 trillion, it's hard for me to imagine that on 2 and 3 and 4% volatility on $200 trillion of derivatives in a, in a very short time period that somebody is losing a lot of money out there. And, and conversely, somebody making a lot of money. Because the unfortunate part with derivatives is the guy losing the money obviously can't pay because you can't be losing, you know, six, eight, ten trillion in a couple of weeks and, and imagine anyone's going to pay it. So the financial system continues to be a farce. I think it's manifest that uh, people should be owning gold here, as I've stated many times before. The banking system is weak. It's been supported all this time since the uh, financial crisis by the central planners. Uh, but the problem is not going away. It just gets worse. And that together with the, these economies that can show no headway with what's going on is just a statement that the money printing is not going to work in the final analysis. So we'll have to stand by, and I can't predict to you when it's, and when things finally blow, but uh, they're going to blow one way or the other. Now, Eric, moving over to precious metals, as we mentioned, it's been kind of a very flat week as far as gold and silver are concerned. I think the most interesting story I heard this week was the announcement by India's finance minister, Arun Jaitley, of India implementing a new gold monetization scheme to kind of cut back on the amount of imports coming into India and uh, straighten out their account deficit. What are your thoughts on that, Eric? Do you think the actual scheme could work? Because I, I believe they tried this again in 1999 and it failed due to uh, issues within the valuation process. But what are your thoughts in terms of this, Eric? Well, whether I, I don't know whether it can work, but you know that the Indians have a, a very serious interest in owning gold. I, I rather doubt that they're likely to give up their gold to the banking system, which I think is what the suggestion is. Note down your gold, give it to the bank, you, 
uh, gets a return on it. Uh, the reason the Indians own gold is they don't trust currencies, and I can hardly imagine that changing overnight. I find that uh, what India talks about is, is an absolute joke. They should report their trade deficit ex gold imports. Gold imports are not like oil imports. Oil imports are gone. It's not a sign of weakness that India can afford to buy all that gold. It's just, quite frankly, a sign of strength. And they should report their trade deficit accordingly. They should exclude gold imports. It's got nothing to do with consumption. It just has something to do with where they want to put their savings. So this whole thing in India about trying to realign people's interest in gold and where the gold should be held, I think, is, uh, is a bit of a canard out there. I just think that the Central Bank of India is kind of trying to play ball with the other central banks to, in some way over short term, try to dent demand, but it's not a bad thing. And the whole proposition that importing gold is bad is an incorrect proposition. It's a good thing. I mean, wouldn't the U.S. love to be able to import 100 tons of gold per week and have that much more money in savings? So. Um, I regard all these efforts as just one to try to contain the gold price at all costs because we continue to see that physical demand is very strong. The gold keeps flowing from the UK and the US or to Switzerland and back over to Asia. And there's lots of indicators that uh, the Western banks continue to supply gold to the market. They won't report the true gold holdings. And I can assure everyone that those gold holdings are declining all the time because of demand in China and India and other Asian countries. So uh, I hope that the Indian initiative fails, that the people stick to their uh, principles and uh, don't provide the government with the gold. But uh, you can see that there's a, a state of desperation on there to try to find some way. And I truly hope it fails. You know, there was a suggestion that the temple should give their gold to the government, which I think was firmly rejected, and now they're trying other maneuvers, and I expect those will fail as well. Well, Eric, as usual, we always appreciate your insight here on the weekly wrap-up, and we look forward to speaking to you in the weeks to come. Okay, Jeff, all the best. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. This is Jeff Rutherford for the weekly wrap-up here on Sprott Money News. Have a great weekend.